Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome to Three Yards Per Caddy, a podcast covering the Miami Dolphins and the NFL. Now, here's your hosts, Chris, Alf, and Simon. And we're on, and welcome to another edition of Three Yards Per Caddy, another in our draft series. We're talking offensive line today. Alfredo Arteaga, Simon Clancy is here, Chris Kaufman is here, and as always, this show is brought to you by Prize Picks. Use promo code 5, F-I-V-E. You deposit $100, it's a one-time rollover. They give you $100. So it's essentially a free $100. Take it. Promo code F-I-V-E. Go to betteredge.com slash five reasons, the number five reasons, and you get $25 just for signing up. All right. Dolphins have two picks on day two. Now, if they come out of this draft with an offensive lineman, we're talking offensive lineman on this show. If they come out of this draft with an offensive lineman and they took him in the seventh or sixth round, they obviously weren't very serious about addressing the issue. So I guess we're mostly going to be talking about those guys, those top 100 guys that could be reached by the Dolphins with pick 51 and I believe 84. So we'll start here. Simon, do they go into this draft or do you go, more importantly, you, your opinion, do you go into this draft thinking to yourself, one of those picks or a trade down of some sort that nets you another 100 top 100 pick must be used on that offensive line, either tackle or guard? Uh, your your I opinion. Mean, I mean, look, they, we know what they need to do. They need a left guard and they need a right tackle, but they've shown zero uh, interest in doing it. In free agency, it's not a particularly good draft on the offensive line. And at 51, you find yourself in an area where you're probably going to miss out on the best, you know, guard prospects. So Peter Skoronsky, whether you're kicking him inside or not, Osiris Torrance, uh, and then certainly the best tackles with, um, you know, the the guys that we've talked about ad infinitum since we've been, you know, since we've been doing this, whether that's Paris Johnson or Broderick Jones or Darnell Wright or Anton Harrison or probably Daywon Jones, you know, they're guys that are just going to be out of our reach. So, you're going to find yourself in a position where you're going to either end up reaching for a guy or, you know, and the critical position to me is right tackle. And I just don't see, you know, people talk about, oh, there's, there's this guy and there's that guy. And these guys are all left tackles, you know, and you're, you're asking them to make a transition to the right side, which is incredibly difficult. It's not nearly as easy as people think. Um, so I think if you're going to take an offensive lineman, I think the one player that really stands out for me, that I think probably will be in the area is a guy like Steve Avila of TCU who played center, can play left guard. Um, doesn't fix the right tackle issue, um, and maybe that comes later on with a you know a, a guy. Uh, I mean, I don't know who it would be, but it could be a, a Tyler Steen, a kid from Alabama. You could look at Warren McClendon of uh, of um, of Georgia. It could be Carter Warren of Pittsburgh. They're like Braden Daniels of Utah, Wanya Morris of Oklahoma. Um, but uh, I mean, I think that they are. Um, it's Austin Jackson or, or, or be damned, I think, Chris, don't you think? I mean, uh, as much as we, we hate it, it feels like that's what they're, they're, they're still going to give these guys the opportunity to, to do it. Yeah. And you had the right saying, you had the right words as much as we hate it. <laughs> um, you know, and that, unfortunately that does seem, you know, it, uh, part of it, part of me still wonders, you know, and maybe this is just the, uh, hope springs eternal thing. Um, Part of me wonders if, you know, they've just been sitting on top of the information or, or just sitting sitting on top of what they're going to do and not allowing anybody to know, you know, not allowing agents to know, not allowing, you know what I mean? Just um, just keeping this of utmost secrecy simply. And, and if you think about it, the set, the table is set for this draft in much the same way as it was set in 2014. I was talking about this on Twitter um, and, you know, talking a little bit with Omar Kelly about it Um, in 2014 on paper. Anyway, you look at the team and everything was, everything was pretty much set uh, through free agency and, and otherwise at virtually every position, you could maybe argue that they needed a wide receiver three behind, um, behind Mike Wallace and Brian Hartline. 
And indeed, you know, we were all talking about guys like Allen Robinson. They ended up drafting Jarvis Landry in the second round. Um, but the glaring, absolutely 100% glaring hole that everybody was staring straight at was that right tackle. Like, they didn't even have a guy to play there. I think it was going to be either Nate Garner or Jason Fox. You know, everybody else, you go across the team, corners, safeties, all levels of the of the, the defense and the offense. Uh, they seem to have everything fit except for right tackle. And it was so glaring and so obvious that even Steve Ross, I think he, I, I recall that he straight up admitted that they're going to be drafting one in the first round. Mm-hmm. You know, like, when do you ever see that? You know, right. Um, but but he did. And I remember he was quoted in a, in a local uh, local newspaper um, saying saying something to that effect. Uh, and of course, in that draft, they got Juwan James uh, in the toward the uh, toward the end of the first round. This is a lot like that, because I think you look across the team and a lot of people are like, you know, OK, well, they could use a tight end, I guess. And that's true. Um, a left guard. You and I, Simon, you just mentioned Steve Avila. That would make a great pick, in my opinion. Um, Yes, we could probably use a left guard, but also Chris Greer just called Liam Eikenberg one of their core players. You know, so, um, you know, who who knows what they think about. And and in in his defense, to be honest, he only made the transition to guard last year, uh, Liam Eikenberg did. Because that first year, they still had him playing a tackle. They may have intended to try and get him some guard work, but it never worked out in his first year. And I think that there's a lot of history um, that you can show, like even scientifically, you know, you can almost you could show that across large populations of uh, of data, the guys that convert from tackle to guard, they end up in a good place, but they start significantly below where the guys that were guards in college and then were asked to play guards in in the pros where they are. So like that rookie year or that first year tra- transitioning from tackle to guard is rough, is often very rough. And that was Liam Eikenberg's first year. So if the part of me that's like hope springs eternal, you know, maybe Liam Eikenberg might be decent. Um, you know, that may, that's that's the thing that I seize on. Um, but anyway, like gl- the glaring hole again is right tackle. And so if you're picking at 51 overall and your glaring hole is at right tackle, I think you would want to keep things ultra close to the to the chest. You know what I mean? Mm. Because your your entire like filling this glaring hole depends on an appropriate guy falling all the way to pick fifty one, right? You know, and there there aren't that many of them, right? So um, so you would have to play it. You would have to play it real tight. That's the part of me that's like hopeful. On the other hand, they've shown zero acknowledgement, zero that that this is that this is an urgent issue and and that's the part of a, that that Simon that you're addressing that's like it just seems like Austin Jackson or bust most likely bust um so I, you know that's that's discouraging um but at the same time if if you and I were to put on our hat and Alf if you were to put on your GM hat and say you know forget what they're showing forget what they're signaling forget blue, anything a uh, blue golf hat with a very nondescript logo on it yeah that would be the one um, and, and forget what they're showing, forget what they might be thinking, all that stuff. We would all take one, right? We, or we would all, we would all target somebody. It doesn't have to, as you say, it could be Steve Avila on the offensive line. He could take a thousand snaps of left guard and really help the situation. Um, you know, or it could be if the right, right tackle falls to you, you know, but, but we would take one and, um, and otherwise, uh, I, I don't know what they're going to do. And they've, to, to their credit, I guess they've they've done a pretty good job of the uh, the whole you know the counter surveillance thing of, of of not letting anybody know what's on their mind um, at, at these picks because we are we are all over the place. We're talking about defensive tackles, you know. We're talking about guard, left guard. We're talking about um, right tackle. We're talking about running back. We're talking about tight end. We're talking about a wide receiver like Jonathan Mingo. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're talking about everybody and everywhere and everything. Barry Barry Jackson was recently talking about corner as as one. That, <laughs> that struck they, me as way too much smoke already. 
Yeah, but that, that's like it's like he's talking about corner now, and and if you think about the age of both, you know, the, where they are on their their career arc, Jalen Ramsey and uh, Xavier Howard, you know, that would even make some sense, you know, and and just like we talked about with defensive tackle, with the fact that the three defensive interior defensive linemen that we have are all set to be free agents in twenty four, um, that would make sense, and everybody talk, you know, everybody always talks about linebacker too, so so. We don't know. We don't know, Jack. We, at some point, we have to step back and say, we don't know. We don't know. Mm. You know, and that's where I think we are right now. All right. Before we go and talk about the very, very, very top of this class for a very brief moment, if they do target an offensive tackle with that 51st pick, I would consider it kind of, I don't know, I wouldn't call it dumb, but I would call it um, not very smart considering that Terrence Steele is 25 years old. He would essentially uh, be a very expensive second-round pick because you're going to have to pay him something. Okay, I don't think you're going to bring him on for what Dallas is offering him. Uh, I, I'm, I think it's the only move. If they're going to sit at 51 and just say, okay, this is what's left, and you know they'll sell it as, oh, we had this guy with a first-round grade. We had DeWan Jones with a first-round grade. Okay, great. Uh, that's nice. That's nice that you had him with a first-round grade. Uh, you know who's a first-round grade? Terrence Steele. If they do... <laughs> If they do go out and get an offensive tackle, they just sit there at 51. Because I don't believe, man, even at 84, I don't think it's a serious attempt to fix the, the situation. Okay. Yeah, tough. All right. At 51, okay, they, they tried. Like, this is their attempt. If that's their attempt, isn't the only move moving that pick for Terrence Steele? Simon, well, you, would, you would agree? Uh, no, I mean, I mean, he tore his ACL and damaged his PCL on December the 16th, so... I mean, there's a chance he's not even really ready for the start of the season. So uh, me, they say he's ready for camp. They say. Well, who's well, they that? Say that. Cowboys. Who's they, Alf? Cowboys. Dallas well, Cowboys. Of course, of course the Cowboys do. They're in a position. No, it's like his play. agent and everything. Or, you know, they always the say. A- the agent, yeah, of course. The agent that doesn't have a vested interest. Huh? Mm-hmm. I, I, I mean, I just, I don't think it's going to happen. I, I, I think the one thing that you sit here and we talk about this situation the one thing that they could do is they could just load up on more offensive weapons. Do you know what I mean? This window mm-hmm. now they could just lie. They could just their plan could be, you know what? Let's fuck fuck it. Let's just sign Devon A Chain and and Tank Dell. Yeah, I'm just throwing those two names out there as absolute speedsters or Tyler Scott or whoever. Let's just sign two guys who we can just we know we're going to put on the field. They're just going to blow people away with their speed. We're just going to get them in the game. Um, and just add to, you know, try cover a chain when you're trying to cover Hill and Waddle and, you know, X, Y, and Z down the field. Um, so they might do that. I, I mean, I just don't see, I, I don't think the Terrence Steele thing has ever been really a, a, a deal that they were going to make because of the injury. I just don't think you've got any guarantee that the guy's going to be healthy for the start of the season. We all know what happens, players coming back off serious knee injuries, especially guys that are 300 plus pounds. It's not easy for them to to you know you almost need a year for them to to get back in the game and the Dolphins just don't have a year so no I don't think that's the Terrence Steele thing is is going to happen and I I I don't think that Green Bay would allow Josh Nyman to walk either so I, I don't think either of those deals are going to happen. Well, and I'll take I'll take you know you know Alfie you know how how much the both of us have been talking about the Terrence Steele as mm-hmm. Simon says we're trying to manifest it <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. and 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 I. I'm, I'm with you there, uh, but, you know, the devil's advocate on that is, okay, how do you know Dallas is going to let him go? You know, because if you if you sign him to an offer sheet and you show your hand that way, first off, you better have – you have to have the cap room for the offer sheet. Yes. Uh, immediately, um, because that money gets set aside for the next five days until the uh, Dallas Cowboys decide whether to match or not. Uh, how do you know that the Dallas Cowboys are going to – are going to let it go. They are today. They are today in a in a better cap situation than we are, um, and and so that makes it. If this becomes a contest of, you know, yeah, but we're going to sign them to a contract that is unpleasant for you to sign, you know, to to match. Um, they're going to win that game because they're in a better position than we are. Um, so you know, there's there's that, and then there's also the the other thing that maybe it's just so unpleasant that we don't want to think about it, but. Um, Tua Tungavaloa, Jalen Waddle, um, you know, uh, Robert Hunt, Connor Williams, uh, Christian Wilkins, Zach Sealer, Raekwon Davis, uh, 
Javon Holland uh, in the secondary. Uh, Jalen Phillips. These, who, who's oh Jalen? Yeah, almost God, almost forgot him. Uh, Jalen Phillips. All of these guys are up for new deals or extensions. Let's call it within some some maybe immediately like Christian Wilkins, um, but within the next twelve to twenty four months, something Brent, like that. Brennan you Jones. Know, yeah, because because a bunch of the well, but I don't think that's a premium contract. Um, I I think so because a lot of these guys, you know, a lot of these guys are premium type of players that are going to be coming off the third year. That's when you give them the extension, right? So, mm-hmm. um, so I think that you know all these guys within the next twelve to twenty four. How much APY is that? Do you think between all of those players, somewhere between one hundred and fifty and two hundred million? <laughs> yeah, you add it all up. Yeah, and if and if you think about it that way then you could you you could start to see why it makes sense that the Dolphins never even considered or never seriously went for a Mike McGlinchey or uh Caleb McGarry or you know any of those free agents at right tackle um and why they probably can't go for a Terrence Steele probably can't go for a Yash Neiman either because they've got within the next 12 to 24 months they're going to have to dish out like 150 to 200 per year of new contract <laughs> you know like it's astounding to think about it, it's a it's a staggering figure so um so i think that um i think that something that we may not want to think about as fans but that they're forced to think about as as you know general managers and, and people who run the personnel department is is maybe they they literally just can't as simon always says you know the the salary cap doesn't matter until it matters and then it really matters you know yeah. like um so you know they they might have to be thinking of it that way, and that may be why exactly exactly why in the end, at the end of the day, they're they just can't consider the Terrence Steele thing, and they've got to try and cheapen it. They've got to try and take care of this position in a cheap way, you know, with a rookie contract, and that may be that may be in the end. If they take say say for example, draft weekend comes up. And they trade a future pick plus, you know, whatever at 51 to move up and take a right tackle. Take, you know, we we are we go back and forth on Dewan Jones or or somebody like that. Um, well, then you look back on it and it will have made a lot of sense that way. Right. Yeah. Because you know, even the secrecy will have made a lot of sense um, because they, they've just got too much money to dish out over the next 12 to 24 months. And, um, and they, they have to, they have to go, go find some, something, a a cheap option. All right. Now, very, very briefly before we go to break and we, and we talk about what Miami will be doing with that 51st pick as it pertains to the offensive line, if they do something with that 51st pick, um, the very top of this draft, like it's not a great class, but is it as simple as Broderick Jones, Darnell Wright? That's the best. And, and those are, and those are basically bookends. And guys that will be in the in the league for ten year, ten plus years, like that's the top of the class. You agree, Simon? Um, no, I think Paris Johnson is is right up there. The kid from Ohio State. I think he's a, a a terrific player. I think he's got some. Yeah, he's young. He's a baby. I think he's just twenty one. Um, he's got some bad habits, technique a little bit, but he's incredibly athletic. He's very fluid. Uh, he's very quick. He looks like a perfect kind of zone scheme tackle. I, I like Jones. Obviously, he's long, um, 6'5", 3'11". Again, similar age. Um, I, I just think he's a bit more raw, actually. I think Skoronsky, to me, is probably the best. Mm. Um, I, I just think he's so battle-tested. You can play him in multiple positions, inside, outside. I think he's got real caliber as a guard. Obviously, we like Darnell Wright, what he did with Will Anderson. But actually, it wasn't just Will Anderson. You go and watch him play Brian... Um, uh, Miles Murphy, uh, you watch him against Nolan Smith. Um, I, I think technique um, can go awry sometimes with him. Um, he's nasty as hell. He's got incredible power. He's very controlled. He wins as a, a as a, a run blocker and in the past game. I just think he's a plug and play day one starting right tackle. And I think it was no surprise to see Mel Kiper had him going ninth to the Bears. Uh, excuse me, ninth to the Bears in his mock draft this morning because I think the league is significantly higher on him even than we are. Um, and I think he'll go extremely high because, like I said, you know he's a guy that you can just plug in first day. They can pair him next to the kid um, that we talked about trading for last season, mm-hmm. um, whose name escapes me, um, who they moved to right guard and had a really strong season. Um, 
uh, and with the free agents they brought in, Braxton Jones obviously played really well as a, a rookie on the left side there for Chicago. I think that's a perfect fit. Um, but yeah, I, I don't necessarily think that Broderick Jones is the is the top guy. And look, there's some interior guys as well. Mm. You know, we talked about Avila. There's a, I think there's a really strong center class actually in terms of you know there's some really good caliber players. Whether that's um, Luke Whipler at Ohio State, whether it's um, uh, Joe Titman at Wisconsin, obviously the kid at Minnesota, uh, Schmitz, who I think is a, a really solid player. Uh, Vila can obviously play center as well that we've talked about. Um, you know, Ricky Stromberg, the kid at Arkansas. So, and even the guy that the, the Dolphins really like, um, Scruggs at Penn State. And we haven't even talked about the the, the Remington Award winner, Oliver Timi, who played really well at Michigan uh, last season. So, I think there's some good caliber interior linemen as well. But uh, to me, Skoronsky, Paris Johnson, um, and Darnell Wright are the kind of the cream of the crop. Chris? Yeah, I, I think as. As you would get from, you know, the question and then Simon's answer, no, obviously it's not that simple. <laughs> I mean, it's, um, it's it, I, I don't believe it is because I think that there's uh, there's a hell of a lot to be said for Peter Skaronsky. Um, but then obviously that's not simple when he's when he's got 32 inch arms, you know, um, and I, he's six before and has 32, uh, 32 and only a quarter inch arms. I mean, that's there's there's a lot there's a lot of data. Uh, backing that up and and that will I know that does make uh, NFL teams nervous. Um, so, which by the way has Lance Erline comparing him to Zach Martin and will play. Yes, he does. Will have yeah, him correct. play in that role. And, and if, if you, you and, and, and let's face it, like, if you take a Hall of Famer in the top yeah. ten, that's not a bad pick. If you, <laughs> you, know what you mean? Drafting, if you thought you were drafting Zach Martin, I mean you'd run up to the to the podium and absolutely right. No, that's right. Um, but I, I think that I think that Paris uh, Johnson is a really good. Is a very really good ta- tackle. I actually like him more than Broderick Jones. Um, I like M- Darnell Wright more than all. Um, I think that he's the top tackle in the class. Uh, I'm being honest about it. And and there's a thing about the, this right tackle position that I kind of wonder about because you know, and, and Simon, you bring this up a lot about the move from left tackle to right tackle and how it's not always, you know, it's not always a sure thing, right? It's it's, it's yeah. some some guys. Some of the guys, they're like, you know, yeah, you try writing with your left hand all of a sudden after you've been yeah. writing um, with your right hand for as long. And then other guys, I know because I've, you know, I've heard them talk about it. They're just like, no, I just, it's, it's, it's the same thing. You just go over there and play. And and so it, it's it's very um, prospect dependent. Uh, some guys, it's no, it's nothing at all. Some guys, it's it's a very big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, so so I, I think that uh, because of that though. You know, you're, all these guys that come out, the good the good ones are left tackles. And, and you know, I, I wonder, there's not enough r- good right tackles in this league. Mm. Uh, and we kind of ran into this in, um, in in free agency, too. And so I almost I almost wonder if, like, you know, that even makes a, a guy like Darnell Wright, who, who played right tackle, you would play him at right tackle in, in the NFL um, if you need one. Uh, if you do need a left tackle, I suppose you could try and move him. But I almost wonder if it makes him a little a, a, tid, a tidbit more uh, valuable. Uh, when I watched him the first time, I was just like, "What did what did Penny Soul have that this guy this guy doesn't?" Mm-hmm. You know, um, and and I'm not saying that they're the same type of exact type of player. I'm saying that you know just overall in caliber. Um, and so that's why you know when I first watched him, I'm like, "How is this not the best tackle in the draft?" Um, so I him the idea of him going possibly even top five you know i've always said it's going to be first round and it's not just first round it's top half of the first round you know like that's that's what i where i think darnell Wright goes that's why i keep trying to tell people you know no the dolphins aren't going to get crack at him at 51 no they will not get a crack at him even if they try to trade up they don't have any ammunition to trade up that high um you know he's he's not on the board get him out of your out of your mind um, so I think, I think it's kind of, to me at the tackle position, because of that, it's kind of like Darnell Wright. And then, you know, some other guys that have a, a few more ifs to them. And, uh, and that's, I, I don't think it's going to be a bad class in the end of the, the end of the day. I don't know exactly which positions everybody's going to shake out to though, because there's a lot of that in this draft. There's a lot of, you know, yeah, he's a good player, but, um, but he seems like, he might be best as like a really good player at guard, you know, um, something along those lines. So I think that, yeah, I think that, that Darnell Wright 
chief of the class uh, tackle, um, and then some good players, but good players with, with, with some ifs. All right. We're going to go to break, and when we come back from break, we're going to try to use pick 51 and pick 84 and try to fix the Dolphins' offensive line for the next 10 years. Hmm, but, first, but first, these words. Good luck. Do you have a water leak and can't find where it's coming from? Are you dealing with water or mold damage in your home or business? Then call Water Cleanup of Florida at 954-579-0356 for immediate assistance. With over 60 years of combined experience, Michael, Robert, and their team is prepared to handle all types of leak detection issues. 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. After the leak has been located and repaired, Water Cleanup of Florida will then clean, dry, and fully restore the damaged areas. Water Cleanup of Florida is fully licensed, insured, and certified to provide the one-stop shopping that busy homeowners and business owners require. There is no need to bring in other contractors. They will handle the entire project from start to finish. Service areas include Miami, Broward, and Palm Beach counties. Call Michael anytime on his personal cell phone at 954-579-0356. That's 954 954- Five seven nine zero three five six, or visit their website at wcufl.com. Water cleanup of Florida. If you have the schmutz, they have the guts. Save big on brunch for mom. All in the Kroger app. Get sixteen ounce packs of flavorful Angus ninety percent lean ground sirloin for four ninety nine each with a digital coupon. Then buy two get two free on twelve packs of delicious Coca Cola, Pepsi, or Seven Up. All with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. I'm Jalen Phillips, and you're listening to Three Yards Per Carry. And we're back. All right, pick 51's here, and you're sitting around, and you're like, okay, I'm going to take an offensive lineman. And And look, the more I look at this guy... I'm thinking to myself, he might not make it there because uh, he has that. I don't know. He has that that plug and play look. At, at least he looks really good to me. That's Steve Avila, guard out of TCU. I don't know if he'll make it to 51, but let's say in this hypothetical, he does. I do believe Dewan Jones has a real opportunity at making making it to 51. And let's say that that's the direction you're going. Dewan Jones is either going to be the Dolphins' right tackle, or Steve Avila is going to be the Dolphins starting left guard. Simon, you're on the clock. What are you doing? And can you compare these two players at their respective positions? I mean, they're totally different. I mean, look, Jones, I don't love Jones. I know Chris is a a big fan. He's young. He's only 21, 21 and a half. And look, extraordinary frame. I, I saw him described as, you know, having the wingspan of of a Boeing 747. I think he moves well in terms of, um, his size, you know, I don't think he's rangy feet wise necessarily. Um, his balance, I certainly thought was much improved. Went back and looked at some of the tape over the weekend. He looks much more improved in 2022 than he did in 2021. Um, so, you know, that's that's uh, encouraging. I think he's a little bit high cut. I think he sets up way too high. We talked about this in the OnlyFins chat. Uh, I think he can lose the leverage battle. He allows can allow people inside him and into him and onto his breastplate. Uh, I think he's on the ground a lot. Um, which I don't like. Um, but, you know, he rocked up at the senior bar and was outstanding before he got injured um, and sat out days two and three, but he was fantastic on on day one. I think he's very much a scheme-specific right-hand, right tackle. Um, I think it was a bit... Um, I, I think managing his weight is going to be an issue. I, I hear he refused to weigh in at the Ohio State Pro Day, um, which I think is a bit of a... Um, which is a bit of a concern. Um, mm. I think, look, generally, uh, he's a solid player. I, I think he needs to continue that improvement with some of his kind of reaction skills. Look, as a run game, right tackle, he's an absolute monster. Uh, he can engulf you. Um, and I think that, you know, he could certainly be a, a, a starter in the NFL and a start for the Dolphins. He doesn't ordinarily fit. Um, he's certainly not scheme specific in terms of being a pure zone guy. Avila, look, he's just, um, I think he's just a really, really solid player. He was the starting left tackle as a sophomore uh, in high school. He was uh, recruited as a left tackle, um, but he's just big. He's physical. He um, he's got like he has got bricks for hands, concrete hands. Uh, you watch him against Mazzy Smith, who I absolutely love, the Michigan interior defensive lineman. I think he's a top fifteen guy. I think he's. Um, you know, it was mano e mano. It was a great battle. It always looks for work. I love that. 
Um, started at least one game at four different positions over the last three years. So everywhere except the position he played at high school, left tackle. Most of his snaps came at centre, but obviously legitimate position flex. And 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 you think to yourself, look, Connor Williams was excellent as a centre last year, but had some, you know, even as the season went on, still had some issues with the snap. Do you move Connor Williams back to the left guard and put Avila at centre? Do you just keep Williams where he is and move Avila in and battle him with with Liam Eichenberg. But again, it goes back to what we talked about at the top of the show. I just don't think that the Dolphins feel like they're done with the draft capital that they've invested in Austin Jackson and Liam Eichenberg. I just don't think they're ready to give up on that. And, you know, because ultimately that would be, that would be Chris Greer saying that in 2000, I had three first round draft picks and I blew two of them. And one guy is one, probably one hit away from, from me being 0 for 3 when I was supposed to rebuild the team. Um, and the Bengals have been to an AFC championship, had a Super Bowl. Yeah, and they were doing exactly the same as I was with less picks. Um, but I like, I, look, I like it being that I would end up, you know, I do not under any circumstances think the Dolphins are going to move away from Austin Jackson at right tackle. So for me, it would probably end up being a Vila, but I, you know, I'd want to keep two healthy and I'd probably, I'd probably draft Jones if he was there. Chances are, I don't think he'll be there. And I think he'll be left with a decision on Avila, but I suspect that they'll have other names because God knows Chris Guerrero's got no idea what he's doing when it comes to offensive linemen. So, <laughs> You know, you could see them. You know, you could see them draft a Nick Salvadieri of uh, of Old Dominion and, and go around early on him. Or, I mean, God only knows what they're thinking at, at that position. You know, they, I talked about it earlier on. They like Braden Daniels. They, they they like um they like the Bergeron kid at Syracuse. You're gonna have to you're gonna have to move over from left tackle to the right side. But yeah, um, Lord alone knows what they're gonna do. So. Uh, we'll see. It'll be very interesting. But yeah, I would. Th- those two guys, I think, are kind of in the wheelhouse. But I don't think that Jones. One, I don't think Jones makes it. And two, I just don't think Greer just uh, just is such a black spot for him that I just you know just can't see it. Chris, same question. Those two guys are on the on the clock. You d- you've already decided that that's where you're going to go on the offensive line. You getting the the left guard that's going to play for ten years, or the behemoth right tackle that's going to play for ten years because they both have that same look as you know, long-serving pros. Yeah, yeah. I Honestly, I, I, I'd i be surprised. I, I've said this several times. I, I'd be surprised if Dewan Jones misses a uh, start at, at right tackle for the next, uh, for the next decade. You know, like I, he, he just has that look like he's, he's a pro. He's going to start right away. He's going to start as a rookie getting, you know, week one. And, um, he, you know, I, he, I, I, I hate to say this because we've said this about other guys and it's it's like, you know, we were just talking about this earlier, Jawan James, you know, he played 49 games in college and, uh, and then he had an injury riddled pro career <laughs> and, yeah. and, and his career is, is definitely, you know, uh, cut short because of, uh, because of injuries. You know, uh, I remember when Jake Long was drafted by Jeff Ireland, one of the things Jeff Ireland literally said about him day one, when he's talking commenting on the pick is like, He's like, listen, you can't hurt this guy with an axe. <laughs> um, well, somebody brought out an axe, <laughs> you know, because because he's he he was an injury uh, played career. Uh, so, but but I, I don't know something about um, something about the heft of Dewan Jones. You're just like, you know, this guy is going to start for a long time. He does seem very solid. Um, I, I I do see the concerns uh, the concerns there. I don't think that he or Avila are going to make it. I think that they've got too many fans among people who, um, you know, are, if not very plugged into NFL people, um, all know what they're doing, <laughs> you know, like I'll just, I'll just say it that much. They've, they've got, they've got big fans uh, among people that, that know what they're doing. And, and it ma- makes me think that they're not going to make it to 51 and we're going to be staring at a situation where we, you know, don't have access to either one of those dudes. Um, and so I think that we're talking about a trade-up scenario. Um, I think considering right tackle and left, and then to a lesser extent, right, I believe personally to a lesser, lesser extent, left guard are the last huge holes remaining on the team. Uh, you know, to me, it's a no-brainer to go up and um, to to – trade a trade a future pick or even the third round the number 84 pick and um and make sure that you've got a thousand snaps coming from this draft you know uh, and i think that's what we need our windows now so um so yeah i would trade up and and get one of those guys now a, a guy that is kind of po- a popular that i just I'm, I'm trying to i'm trying to see it i've given him like second 
third chances, and I'm just not seeing as Matthew Berger and of Syracuse. Mm. Um, he's got fans out there. I know there are people that serious people even that that like him a lot and i respect them and that's why i keep giving him chance after chance but i'm i'm just wondering you know as as i get through the tape um there's something about him that i know he doesn't have a questionable frame i know he, he does have uh good wingspan and and long arms but even so there's something about him that's like i, I don't know that i really trust you at tackle um as a pass protector i don't know that he has the um the physical qualities to uh to be a good pass protector and if you're going to take Matthew Berger on them I mean, there's so much to like and I I get that uh especially in the run game but you have to get through well okay but why was he why was he so awful against Florida State toward the end of the year why was he bad against Clemson why was he um why why was he kind of you know a little iffy. I mean, basically, if you just took his last five games of the year and stacked them up, and and like this was your process, is just a like, okay, well, I'm going to take the 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 last handful of games that a guy played and take a look at him. You take a look at Matthew Bergeron in those last five in those last five games, and you'd be like, yeah, I don't think so, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, uh, and and he was. I mean, uh, granted, Jared Verse of Florida State is is a is a quality quality player, but he was also clearly outclassing Matthew Bergeron uh, at, at every step of the way. Um, and then there were players on Florida State that were not quality players that were also outclassing him. So I, that, one's, that one's one I would be nervous about. Um, uh, Paris Johnson, Broderick Jones, Peter Skaronsky, they're going to go too high. Uh, there are a lot of people that are very, very adamant that Anton Harrison of Oklahoma is going to go too high. Um, and, you know, I can I can see why. Um, I, I'm not comfortable with personally. I mean, maybe you might call me crazy. I'm not all that comfortable with Osiris Torrance on the, uh, on the inside. I don't think he's worth, um, uh, I don't think he's worth what he's being rated. Uh, and so I'm not sure that the, the pick is, the pick is worth it, worth it up there. Uh, the guys that are really worth it, you go back to it again and again, it's like, you know, okay. Steve, Steve Avila and, and, uh, and Dewan Jones. And mm. you're like, well, if those are the guys that everybody, you know, if it's so obvious that those are worth it, then they're not going to be there, <laughs> you know? Um, and that's, that's, that's what a, the point I keep coming back to. They're going to have to trade up. They're going to have to trade up for, uh, for one of these guys. I do think Dewan Jones could play in the system. I think there's a trade-off between your frame and your pure mobility um, I, in this system, in wide zone. He ran wide zone plays all you know, all over the place in Ohio state, you don't have to look far um, to, to see a lot of tape of him on all 22 running wide zone plays. And, and he did well with it. And at times he looks like a cheat code. I think that um, he's young. So it's not surprising that he's still, you know, making leaps, leaps and bounds year over year. I think he's going to continue to do that. There's some very uh, criticizable um, aspects of his game with his feet and his hips um mm. you know he his feet are still his feet are all over the place they still you know they, they still click together they still like he takes too big too big of a step and with a second step i mean he he doesn't uh he opens his hips too early um a lot uh he gets away with a lot because he's huge and he's got a massive wingspan and once he gets those hands on you it's it is over um but the value with him i think is is almost in in the fact that he is still making unforced errors in, in technique because he's only 21 years old um, and that he is going to get better as a pro. So what's it going to look like when he does stop making unforced errors in technique uh, or one would think that he would eventually. I mean, it's not like he's a 24 year old college player and he's still doing this. He's only 21. So, um, so I think that the, the high or the, the ceiling there has to be pretty massive on on him and that's what that's what i would focus on if i were taking him but um but yeah i think that uh he does have good instincts unlike you know austin jackson something that we notice about him even going back to college is this guy never seemed to have instincts like an offensive lineman he never he never did and never it never looked like it you know hmm. um it, we, we were discussing this early would he have been better as a ball carrier would he have better been better as a defensive end hmm. or a defensive tackle um, you know, I, I really think I really think that is the case. Um, but Dewan Jones has instincts. He has um, technique in some regards. He has bad technique in other regards. 
Um, and, uh, and, and I think that you could fix those bad techniques, but the, the value here is not just, you know, we often fall into this trap with the offensive lineman. This goes for everybody. We often fall in this trap of like, we're looking for, you know, the, it's the, the PFF influence. Um, you know, how many, how many pressures did you let up, uh, you know, versus your overall and, and, and such. And, and it's, we fall into that a little bit and it's like, then you step back and realize, oh, wait, are we really evaluating these guys based on like 2% of their plays? Yeah. You know, like, like what about the other 98%? You know, like that's, you, you have to think about that. And and what I notice on him, on Jones is on a lot of his plays, it's, it's not just that, I mean, he only let up five pressures on the year. So yeah from a statistic analytic profile standpoint, he's, he's magical. Um, But, but on the plays where he's not, he's, he maintains a lot of space for his quarterback, you know, like he, he, he is able to defend a lot of space and keep a, uh, a moat around his quarterback. And what that does is like, you know, don't just think about like the 2% of plays or the 3% or even four or 5% of the plays where they screw up. Okay. Think about the other plays where the guy that he's facing isn't going to get to the quarterback even if he's on a 10-second timer. You know, like mm. think about think about those plays. Think about the plays where he has buried a guy into the ground. And I have a I have a tweet I have a tweet up with a video of like I think there must be um there must be at least two dozen plays in there. And a bunch of them, he is just burying these guys in pass pro into the ground. It doesn't matter how long the play lasts. They're not getting to the quarterback, right? Yeah, if your first move and, doesn't work on him and you're stuck in his frame, it's over. You know, <laughs> it's it's over, and, it, and it's, it's already three, four seconds, and you're still standing there. <laughs> yeah, you're you know? still standing there. So, so imagine all the space that is preserved for the quarterback during that time. You know, and imagine if everybody else is doing their job too. You know, and all that space that's preserved for the quarterback, and not only that, but now he's got now he's got safe harbor. You know, now he's now he's got a, a, a space where he can start to steer into and feel safe, safe about or a lane to scramble over into and feel safe about it. And I think that people, we don't we don't think enough about the upside of those plays and, and what a good quarterback can do when he has that, you know, on his on his on his backside, on his blind side that way. And so that's that's the value that I see there. That's why I, I keep pumping it and being like, you know what, just go up and trade for the guy. It's the easiest answer in the book, you know? Um, mm. And and I think Steve Avila would also be the easiest answer in the book at the left guard position because I do – Simon described him beautifully. He is that kind of player at a left guard. And either way, you'd be improving your line tremendously um, by, by getting either player. But, um, you know, look for easy answers, man, <laughs> you know? Like that's – to me, you know, just there—it's—it's it's almost stupefying. You're like, there's, there's things right in front of our face. You know, look for the easy answers, and that's why, that's why I keep pumping, uh, pumping that. Can I just yeah. get the in to Chris's Yang here on Osiris Torrance, who I know the Dolphins had a meeting with at the combine, right? He is the sort of guy, and, and Chris talks about the stuff that's right in front of your face. Yeah, Mike, uh, Mike McDaniel, as we know, kind of the genius. The, um, you know, he's the kind of the when you do the when you do the gif on on twitter and he's got all the mathematical things in front of him that's mike mcdaniel right torrance played center okay at louisiana lafayette he was responsible for mm. setting protections he adjusted the blocking mechanism versus fronts um and then he moved to guard and then he transferred to florida but apparently all the intel out of the staff that worked with him both at florida and at louisiana lafayette said that he essentially ranges somewhere between kind of you know Alan Turing and Will Hunting on the geniusometer. You know, once he's seen a shoot <laughs> or he's seen a structure or a pressure path, he's got it banked. And that shows up on tape, right? I cannot think for a second that Mike McDaniel wouldn't sit in the meeting with this kind of genius, this 3.8 GPA student and think, wow, this kid has got something mm. special that I can really work with. You know, he's a kind of a craftsman in, you know, like the wolf in sheep's clothing. He's a kind of a craftsman in in, in bullies' clothing in a way. He's very talky. I love, I went back and watched the Lafayette tape and how he's worked to refine kind of issues within his game, you know, working on the usage of his uh, of his offhand in the run game, how to block uh, the concept rather than just, you know, whomping into players. 
you know, <laughs> I think he's kind of got that intersection where sort of he's just a master of the art of what he does. Do you know what I mean? He doesn't just get by like so many college linemen get by on just sort of physical prowess. He's actually got the sort of the the intelligence to understand that. Like you talk about a great boxer. Like we talked about Gennady Golovkin a few years ago about mm. how he was able to corner the boxing ring because his understanding of angles was so good that he just never let up for, for three rounds, six rounds, nine rounds, 12 rounds, however long a fight went. He never gave his opponent a single second because his understanding of angles in the ring just shut people down the whole time. And that's what Tor- Torrance does. He, he's balanced. He plays with balance when he initiates contact. He plays with balance when he absorbs contact. His base is really good. You know, he's not you know, he's not clubber Lang out there. You know, he's not out there delivering death blows. But, you know, and occasionally you, you just want to see your guy throw someone out of the club. But, you know, it, he's so subtle in terms of how he understands position, how he understands the, the little technical adjustments I think will serve him, serve him best at the next level. Um, he talked to Brandon Thorne. The very respected offensive line guy and, and talked about how the Florida coaches wanted him to restart his feet on contact. And you watch him at the end of the year. And I think that's what he's doing. Um, look, he had no, he gave up no sacks at Florida. He only allowed eight hurries in the entire season, despite the fact that he went from the Sun Belt to the SEC. No bidding in period whatsoever. The last three seasons as a starter, bounced between positions, guard and center. He had zero sacks one hit and 14 hurries across 1,082 true pass-blocking snaps per PFF, right? That means he conceded a pressure on 1.2% of his college snaps. I mean, that is pretty special. I, I just think that, you know, you look at a guy who's got that sort of intelligence and understanding of line play, and somebody like Mike McDaniel, when he's in a room with this guy for 15, 20 minutes, just thinks to himself, oof, I'm a details guy, and this kid is a details details guy he is a you know i think he's probably out of the dolphins reach but i think he's a very interesting player and prospect who the head coach will just be thinking that's an itch i might want to scratch if um you know this is a really good player i think so do you think he uh, goes to center do you think he stays a right guard and robert hunt moves to right tackle what do, i mean what do you what do you what are you imagining I mean, I mean, could you could you imagine him at centre and then just shift Connor Williams to left guard and and Rob Hunt keep Rob Hunt where he is and, and two or throw over him is the problem. I I say well, <laughs> it's a pretty. Well, it's not that he's not that big or he's not. He's six tall. five. He measured in a six five and a quarter at the combine. Yeah, well, it's not, it's not, I mean, Michael Dieter. Michael Dieter was the backup center. He was six foot seven. You know. Well, Dieter was six uh, seven. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think that uh, you know, as a center, like a sort of a. A Rodney Hudson type of center, maybe Where's Connor Williams. Connor Williams must be six five, must not he? Yeah. He, oh no, he was. Yeah, you know, he's a left tackle. So I mean, yeah, he's he, he's big. Yeah. Uh, Michael Dieter six six. Yeah, I didn't I had no idea he was that big because I've I've been standing next to Michael Dieter. For, I guess because he's not that good. <laughs> <laughs> I've been standing next to him for four years, and I kept looking at him like he's not that big. He's six six. Yeah. Wow. I mean, do you, do you, do you move him? You know, as a move. As a move guy, like as he, you know, it, well, I guess either he would move or somebody else would move, right? Because um, yeah, he moves to center. He moves back to center. Uh, Connor Williams moves to left guard. You've to, you've very much solidified um, a big area of the offensive line, done, done a lot of a lot of good there. Or you move right, Rob Hunt to right tackle. And, of course, you know, who did he play? Who did Torrance play with at Louisiana Lafayette? Absolutely. <laughs> he, played, he played next yeah. to Rob Hunt as center. Played, Rob, he played next to Rob Rob Hunt. Mm. You yeah. know? Um, so, so that's obviously is... so that's obviously the fix. If we're moving, because that's I was going to say two scenarios to look forward to is maybe moving Connor Williams to left guard and then finding a center. Is that who you would target at fifty one? Well, but the thing is, look, he started forty seven games the last four years, and he's got double digit starts at both guard spots. So I don't think he's beyond the realms of possibility he can play left guard as well. So. You know, to me, it's just a plug and play day one star. He's got the the play strength, the body control, the the balance, the understanding of uh, of angles, the understanding of the small refined bits, um, to make him. Yeah, I think he, I think he's out of our reach. But you know, if he just started to tumble, you know, he might be the sort of guy that when Daniel's just like tapping Greer on the leg and going, just just go for him, just go for him, just just get him, just get him, just get him. But don't don't you get the feeling that McDaniel doesn't want any of this? Well, maybe. I mean, I, who knows what McDaniel wants, you know? It's just... Well, yeah, right. But, I mean, like, when he was describing this story, you know, about about he got here in Miami, 
And he's sitting in a room with all the staff and all the staff are like, Hey, we need to spend resources on the offensive line. We need to get this going. We need to get this, get this fixed. And, um, and he's clearly outvoted by all these people. And so what does he do? He spends like 13 hours in the film room, cutting up a tape to convince everybody that they're wrong, you know, like, and, (laughs) and, and that, you know, that sticks with me. And, um, and then, you know, what else sticks with me is, you know, I, I did this, big thread on Twitter I talked about they took Aaron Banks in San Francisco in the second round and that's not a that's not a prototype for this style of wide zone offense um you know he's a big he's a big player not very fast um not very athletic and uh and and so he's asked about that and uh something that still sticks with me about what he said there which was basically like hey you know if you can if you can engineer the engineer them for me, I'd prefer them all to be six foot ten and four hundred pounds. Um, but something else that he said is something he's like, well, usually we're not taking guys all the way up in the second round, you know, like 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 he he's one of those guys that's of the old school belief that you don't take linemen that high, you know. Period. I can tell, and and maybe he might make exceptions for the tackle position because I think everybody kind of does. But including in San Francisco, but like, like he seems to be of a. a I mean, I, I would bet money on this, good money, that he's like taking an offensive lineman, an, in, an interior offensive lineman in the second round, in the first round. You know, give me a defensive end, give me a, you know, give me a playmaker, give me, you know what I mean? Like, I hmm. kind of feel like he's one of those guys. Hmm. Now, let's say that the move might be to move Robert Hunt to right tackle. I got a that's couple gonna, of that's not going to happen though. They'd have announced that already. Yeah, I know that they've been they've said it like over and over again that they kind of feel as if Robert Hunt is the better player at right guard and will be a top performer in this league at right guard and they have no interest in moving him. But let's say that that's the the break glass in case of emergency option. I see a couple of guys and I want to ask you a couple about two guys in particular that I looked at today, Simon. And if you know anything about him, um, Anthony Bradford looks to me like a, a plug and play right guard. If that was the move, okay. Although he's played, a, he played some left tackle. I don't think he went playing tackle in the NFL. Uh, he's an absolute mauler, good mover at right guard. If you could talk about Anthony Bradford out of LSU and another guy that I looked at, and I don't know if you versed on him, but he's he had a pretty good college career, and that's T.J. Bass, uh, left guard for Oregon. Yeah, uh, both guys, T.J. Bass and a little to a lesser extent, uh, Anthony Bradford, because there, there's something going on with Anthony Bradford where he was benched for parts of games, and I don't know what that's about. But if you know anything about those two guys, what do you think of them as as prospects? Because I think they're right then in that wheelhouse for that 84th pick. Yeah, I think Bradford's a guy that they interviewed uh, at the combine. He was one of their their interviews at the combine. I think he's he's a big guy. He's six four. He's three hundred and thirty two pounds. He's uh, out of LSU, obviously. Um, played in the national championship team with the, the the Joe Burrow team was part of that recruiting class with Derek Stingley and uh, and those guys and actually Siaki Ika the the Baylor defensive tackle and another guy that we could will potentially talk about in in coming coming shows he's broad he's big he's got a big mass um, you know when he gets his hands on you he's kind of it's game over um, he's got some anchor versus power uh, inside certainly in pass protection which I like he kind of stays square keeps his hips keeps busy keeps moving he's a good finisher. Um, was a right tackle in high school. Um, played a little bit of left tackle at LSU, but but he's played mostly at right guard. Actually, uh, he's also got some weight issues. I think he can. He's a little bit top heavy, which then means he gets a bit out of his skis. Um, you watch him against Tennessee when he played left tackle. He was all over the shop, uh, and especially kind of getting out, bending at the waist. Um, he's only had uh, might be sixteen, might be seventeen starts, but obviously. You know, two-year starter at LSU, right, primarily a right guard in a zone-based offense. Um, I, I think he's best in that phone booth area, actually, um, because he's just, you know, he can move people because he's kind of a sheer sort of force of a physical um, a physical nature. And who was, sorry, who was the other guy that you said, was it? TJ Bass of Oregon. Oh, yeah, TJ Bass. Um is he's a six-year guy, I think, Bass. I mean, this is this is a guy that's been around since I think he went to college in like 2009 or something, and he's just been this is like his 18th <laughs> year or something. I mean, 
he is uh i don't think he's particularly athletic he's six four he's 317 pounds i mean he ran a he ran a five four eight forty i mean you know that's that's slower than uh dewan jones who's like the biggest offensive lineman ever (laughs) that's that's rich eisen territory um You know, he's got some grip strength. He can, you know, he's uh, he's a good awareness guy. Like you look at him with combo blocks and those sorts of things. He's fierce. He'll really finish a guy. But look, he doesn't have the athletic ability. He's not particularly long. Um, I think he's inconsistent. He is, um, he's older. I think he'll be 24, maybe 25. Um, obviously played left tackle, but he's going to have to move inside. He was a um, he was a JUCO guy. I just don't think he's athletic enough to 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 play that position. But he's got some sort of in the phone booth again, sort of heavy hands, kind of um, nasty sort of um, kick ass mentality to him. I don't think he's a zone guy, Alf. Actually, I think mm. he's probably more a gap scheme guy. Um, so yeah, he's not somebody that I think the Dolphins would necessarily have on their um, have on their radar. All right. Before we move off of Anthony Bradford, do you have anything on that on why he was pulled out of some games? Because there, there's a game in particular a couple of years yeah, he ago. Was he played, it was an injury thing. It was an injury because yeah, he, he was standing injury. next to the coach. He was absolutely destroying that Mississippi State defensive front. Yeah. Then all of a sudden he gets pulled and he's standing next to the coach. So it was an injury. Yeah, he had some injuries in 2021, and it lingered through 2022 spring practices, and I, I, I believe he re-injured it then during the during the season. So I think that that's why. And it's just, uh, he would just had to take plays off, I think, because he was just sort of toughing it out, but just had to take plays off. Oh, okay. I thought it was like some, some coach decision or I something. Don't, that... I don't believe so. It's certainly not something that I've, I've heard was a coach decision. I I have heard that he was carrying an injury during, during the season. All right. Chris, you got any pet players? I brought two to the table. <laughs> yeah. Um. You know, it, it is actually interesting because we're, we talked about like uh, Osiris Torrance at right guard and, and I've watched him at right guard and I have no, no doubt that he's a heady player. He's, he's, a, he's very, he's a very lively player too. Like, you know, I, I like, I like his energy quite a bit. Um. But, you know, if I've looked at a, a guy that I'm like, that is just a solid, solid right guard that could, that could probably play in the NFL um, at that position. But, you know, he's, he's got virtually the same athletic profile um, as, uh, as Osiris Torrance. I think Tayshawn Manning of Kentucky, I think he's, um, I think he's, he's just a very solid player. He's put together. He, uh, he executes well. Um, you know, this is, this is not a guy that you, you, you might not even draft him at all. Right. Um, but I think that uh, he is a solid player that could play above his station. Um, a guy that I would probably stay away from who's, you know, depending on which uh, draft service you're looking at or media uh, sources you're looking at is um, the Florida, the Florida guy, Richard. Uh, is it Gorage? I don't Gorge. know how to Gorage. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to pronounce his name. Um, I don't. I don't see him staying at tackle. Uh, I don't think that's, I don't think that's working for him. The problem is he's one of these classic uh, guys. that's like, well, you know, he can't, he can't play tackle at this level. So we're going to move him inside a guard. And, and, and I think that's going to be even worse um, for, for him just based on his makeup as a player. Um, I think that Chandler Zavala has, has a lot of fans. I think that there, there's a good reason he has a lot of fal- fans. Um, I think that uh, he's a, he's a solid player. I think if you're going down a little bit, you know, at, at the tackle spot, we've talked about Wanye Morris uh, of Oklahoma. Um, I think he, he's played right tackle uh, throughout. I think he's a very solid player. I think he ran like a five-one-zero and and was grabbing his hamstring during the last eight yards of it. Like, <laughs> like he was, um, you know, he was. So he's he's got some athleticism to him. He's got good frame. Uh, he, he strikes me as as such a Chris Greer pick, uh, and I'm not trying to be critical on that. I just um, I think that he's uh, he's a, a a big school championship caliber program. Um, I think that he's he played the position uh, that you would want him at for the Dolphins. He's got the frame. He's proto. I think Chris Greer is ultimately kind of a prototype guy, um, and so you know he strikes me as a very Chris Greer uh, type of pick. Almost like uh, sitting at pick eighty four. There's Wanye Morris. Take him. Done. You know, kind of kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so I would keep an eye on him. Now, now I don't think that he's a premium prospect. If I 
I go to sleep well at night if, say, the Ohio State guy, Devon Jones, uh, is the right tackle, um, or Anton Harrison. I think that Carter Warren is going to go a lot mm-hmm. higher. Actually, I was I was just seeing that. I, I, I I've been saying like I, I've been like, oh, I think you know Carter Warren. You know, he's one of the few that I that I trust. And that now I find out that the yeah the NFL are absolutely onto him. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. um, so so you know he he would be he would fit right in that um, that day two area for for us. Um, but as Simon said, you know, you're moving him from left tackle to right. Who knows? Who knows what happens there? But I think he can play. I think he is a quality uh, player. He is a starting tackle in the NFL. I would be surprised if he is not. Um, and then, uh, you know, some guy that I keep going a little bit back and forth on is um, is and 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 in a way, in a, in a way, pretty recently has started to make a lot of sense. When I first started watching Braden Daniels of Utah, and I'm watching his left tackle tape, you know, this year that's what he played. Um, and I, I, I'm looking at it and I'm just, I'm kind of, you know, I he's really jumpy, he's really explosive, he's he explodes everywhere he goes, he's very agile, you know, it, it's very impressive to watch him. But he's also, you know, th- there's some technical issues there. There's, um, there's maybe sometimes getting getting a foot wrong or uh, stepping in the wrong direction. Everybody else is blocking down this way, and he, you know, takes his first step the wrong way, and and, and stuff like that. And it's not working out at uh, left tackle. He probably didn't have great metrics there um, for those that pay attention to metrics. And then I went back and watched, you know, the previous year because uh, he's put, he's been at Utah for uh, five years now. Um, or so I, I started watching him in the previous year. He was playing right tackle, and he was playing really well. <laughs> you know, like and he is a very explosive guy. Um, I think that you know he's he's thirty three aren't thirty three inch arms, so it's kind of in the gray area for uh, for a right tackle. Um, you know, six foot four, two hundred ninety four pounds. I kind of wonder if if he if you just take him as an offensive lineman. You know, um, and mm-hmm. he could play right tackle for you. He could play left guard for you. Um, you know, because actually, if you go back to two thousand one or twenty one with Utah, he that those were the two positions he played. He played left guard and he played right tackle. Um, I think if you look at him as an offensive lineman, somebody that you're brushing up, uh, you might you might have something there because there's some natural gifts there that you're not finding with other players, particularly in this scheme. And, you know, I know we want to, we do want to, to find guys that play in this scheme, I think, uh, or that, that, that are cut for this scheme. And, um, you know, maybe sometimes you make an exception because it's like, Hey, we need to start it right now. Like I, I keep talking about the Ohio state guy. We need to start it right now. No, he's not cut. He's not, he's not built on the drafting table or he's not drawn up on the drafting table. Uh, for this scheme exactly but he can play and that's what we know that's what we need right now we know that he can play um this would be a guy Braden Daniels of Utah would be a guy that's like okay he is kind of like you drafted it up um to to have this kind of mobility this kind of explosiveness this kind of agility um and and I think he would make a really interesting pick uh you know I I don't know about 84 or whatever but I, I I don't know what price tag the NFL are looking at on him, but he's an interesting player to me. I think if I was going to take three tackles out and three guards, hmm. I'd be looking at the Tyler Steen of Alabama, kind of lower guys, Carter Warren, Chris has mentioned at Pitt, and the kid at Old Dominion, Nick Saldu, uh, Saldivieri, uh, who hmm. I think is a really interesting player. Uh, I think he's got some some talent. I think you could play him at multiple positions. Um, I, I like him. I think he's got... Um, I think he's got that the athletic control um, scheme diverse player. I think he can play multiple positions um, on the offensive line. And then I, I think at guard, you know, away from the guys that you mentioned again, Chris mentioned Chandler Zavala, who I really like. Uh, look, Emil Ekior at Alabama is a really good player, battle tested. Uh, Sow of Eastern Michigan, uh, Nick Broker of Old Miss, I like. And then there's a the kid at, um, at UCLA, Antonio Maffey who I think is a really good player, a really underrated player. And I think he's going to be a day one star. He reminds me of Aaron Banks uh, quite a lot. Um, the guy who, ironically enough, plays uh, left guard for the 49ers. Uh, and then centers, like we talked about, I mean, he goes down, you just look at the list, Tittman, Schmitz, Whipler, Scruggs, Oluwatimi, Forsyth, Stromberg, Schmitz, um, 
Jarrett Patterson and Notre Dame, there's some there's, there's some quality players there. I think that you know you could be could be guard converts as well. So the 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 talent is there, but as we as we go back to what we started on an hour ago, do the Dolphins really a care enough and b know what they're looking at anyway? That's how I think I'd round that up. Do they know what they're looking at anyway? Well, Mike McDaniel, Mike McDaniel was seen at the UFC talking to Aaron Donald, so maybe that's the 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 thing they're going to play Aaron Donald at left guard, and he's going to play both ways, and and everything's going to be all right. You know what? If he if if he plays both ways, then that contract will be worth it. <laughs> yeah. All right. We're gonna have to call it there. That's an hour and a half on the offensive line for them not to take anybody on day two. But we'll be watching on day two to see if any of these guys actually drop to them. Uh, my favorite Steve Beal. I think I've, I've made it known from from the beginning. I don't think he'll make it. I think he's in that short list at fifty one for me. All right. That's it. The next time we talk to you, we will be talking about defensive line, defensive tackle. But till then. Thanks for listening to Three Yards Per Caddy. You can subscribe via iTunes, on Podbean, or your usual podcast provider. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.